I would like to look for a little bit at Psalms 110, but if you will permit me before we take up those verses just to say uh, a little prayer for myself, if you'll permit that, maybe we can do that. God and Father, I just pray for courage and clarity in the thoughts to be expressed, that they would be for the honor and glory of your name and for that of your Son. I just pray that our hearts will be stirred as we would consider the worthiness of the Lord Jesus and for all that he has done. We ask this in his name. Amen. Just to read a few verses from Psalms 110. It says in verse 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the head over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up his head. If we could, just by way of introduction, before we look at the specifics of the verses in this chapter, I want to turn to a couple of references, one is in Isaiah chapter 53. This is from Isaiah chapter 53 in verse 7. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. We could look at a verse, I believe it's in Luke's Gospel, in the crucifixion account. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, and reading from verse 7. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and hurried him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And then another reference in First uh, Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 
And then finally, to read a verse from Psalms 109, the first two verses of that chapter, it says, Hold not thy peace, O God, of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. We have the Lord Jesus, and he is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 53 as a lamb before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. In his trial before Herod, the Lord Jesus was arrayed there, and accusations were brought, and not once did the Lord Jesus open his blessed mouth to defend himself against the lies that were paraded against him. Because as we find in Peter, he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He would not take up his own cause to defend himself because he committed that activity to God his Father. But in Psalms 109, he makes this plea, and he says, defend me. And the answer to that cry is given in the 110th Psalm. If we look at what is presented here, this is God's response to the vindication of his man. And the first thing that we see in this chapter is he says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This verse is quoted many times in the New Testament. And there's actually a couple different reasons why you get some different thoughts that are brought out of this one verse. But I want to point out a few things for our consideration here. You'll notice, and this was mentioned when we were in Psalms, um, the chapter 16 that we were taking up. But the first Lord in the chapter here is in all caps. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is the word for Jehovah. Notice the second word for Lord is it's capital L, but it's lowercase r, or lowercase o, lowercase r, lowercase d. This is the word for Adon or Adonai. It means master. And so if we read it, I think uh, using those Hebrew terms, it might help us to see some of the distinction that is in this verse. It's the Jehovah said unto my Adonai, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. God the Father is speaking to God the Son. And David, the writer of this psalm, calls him my Adonai, my master. And can't you hear the thrill in the voice of David as he considers what is said to his master? Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This is the greeting that the Lord Jesus was met with when he ascended to heaven and was met there by his Father, who said, Sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. There is a promise of a future vindication, even as there is in the present a granting of a privilege that none other has ever had. You read in the beginning of the book of Hebrews, one of the things that marks out the Lord Jesus as greater than the angels is that God has never said to any angel at any time, 
sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That is a privilege that has been reserved exclusively for his son. And it is the first response of his heart to vindicate his son as to the degradation of his name that occurred here in this earth. The second thing says, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. And here this is a continuation of that promise of a future vindication that will take place here in this world where the Lord Jesus was rejected. He had come as that suffering Messiah, but one day he will reign and he will have the rod of his strength. The third verse, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. If I'm to be fully honest with you, and I trust I have been already through this point, but I have to tell you with this verse, I, I'm not really sure that I understand it that well myself. So I'll just share with you something I've read about it, and it uh, struck me. The, the writer commented on this third verse that there would be a new generation that is given to the Lord Jesus of those who have a heart that will follow after him. He came to Israel, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And yet there is this promise that is made to the Son, that in a coming day there will be a generation of young people raised up whose heart will follow after their Messiah. So I just present that to you as a thought here. He will be one day vindicated in the affections of his people. The fourth thing is given in verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There was the order of Aaron. There is the order of Melchizedek. The order of Aaron is a temporary order. It does not last forever. The order of Melchizedek is an order that goes on forever and ever, and has no end. It is one of the distinctives of that priesthood that makes that priesthood of Melchizedek greater than the priesthood of Aaron. And what are we told here in this verse in Psalms 110? God has given his son to be a priest after that greater order of Melchizedek. It is part of the vindication that his son receives for those lying accusations that were presented him on his road to Calvary. It's interesting in this psalm, you'll notice the first verse, it's really the psalmist David is talking to you and to me about his Adonai. And then in verse 2, it says, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength. He changes. And then in the second verse, uh, the psalmist really speaks directly on behalf of God the Father to God the Son. He speaks to the Adonai. There's a change now in verse 5. You'll notice, for instance, in, in verse 2 and in verse 4, it's Lord there again in all caps. That's Jehovah. Now in verse 5, he speaks to God the Father about God the Son. And he says here, the Lord at thy right hand, the Adonai at thy right hand, 
shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places and the, uh, with the dead bodies. He shall wound the head over many countries. And in these two verses, he, he speaks to God the Father of how God the Son is going to perfectly execute the rod of his wrath in that future day as he reigns in this world in which he was once rejected. And I think it's beautiful. We could read of uh, Joseph, I believe it is, he tells uh, those that would go back to, to give a report, tell my father of all my glory that I have here in Egypt. And that's what the psalmist David does in these verses. He tells the father of the glory of the son how the Adonai is going to to perfectly reign in that coming day. Verse 7 is an interesting verse. It's such an abrupt change. It, It almost gives you whiplash. But it says, it goes from this description of wounding the head of many countries, and it says in verse 7, He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he lift up the head. What is this talking about? It's interesting, in the life of the Lord Jesus, you can trace it long before the Garden of Gethsemane. He had before him the prospect of his future crucifixion. And that weighed on his soul. But we're told of something different in this verse. It says, he shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore he shall lift up his head. It's a reference to a refreshment that the Lord would receive in his earthly pathway that would give him the energy to lift up his head. What is that? I would suggest to you that the brook in the way is the very verses we have just had before us. The prospect that God the Father was presenting to him of this future vindication that would be his, that that was before the Lord Jesus. Even as he considered the sufferings of the cross, he saw beyond that to the future vindication that his Father would provide. And that was a refreshment to his weary soul that gave him to lift up his head as he walked through this world. What an encouragement it is to our hearts as we consider what an encouragement it was to the heart of the Lord Jesus as he thought upon these very verses. And well might it be the reflection of our own attitudes to say with David, to rejoice as he contemplates, Jehovah said to my Adonai, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool.
also number 110.
Before we pray, I would like to read just a few verses in Esther chapter 6. I think we're all familiar with the connection here, but let's just read verse 3. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. But we'll see that there is something very shortly that would be done for Mordecai. Verse 8, it says, but just to get a little connection, let's read the last part of verse 7. For the man that the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal, which is set upon his head. <coughs> Let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Let's just look to the Lord 